When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hey, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, we're talking about how to be there for other people. Today's big idea is that there are so many people who run anxious, and you likely have at least one or more or maybe even many of them in your life. Maybe they're a family member or a dear friend. A lot of the things that we say to people when they're in the throes of anxiety may be well-intentioned, but ultimately not that helpful. Today, let's take a look at the common things we say when we're trying to reassure someone else and how we can be more thoughtful about what we say in those moments. I'm interviewing Dr. Susan Bernstein to get her expert guidance. Susan has an MBA and a PhD in somatic psychology, so her expertise really covers the gamut of the mind, the body, and the heart. She's also just a lovely person whom I've been connected to for coming up on 20 years, all because she responded to one of my early email newsletters. You're going to love her. Susan, I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. (laughs) So you publish a newsletter on LinkedIn called Positively Anxious, two words that we don't necessarily think about going together. What are the upsides of anxiety? Yeah, I believe if we weren't all a little anxious, we might just, you know, stay under the warm, cozy covers when we wake up in the morning. (laughs) But anxiety gives us that little kick of, I better get to work. And so I believe a little bit of anxiety can be positively motivating to get going. And so anxiety also helps us to notice threats and uncertainties to be on the lookout. But it's when you have too much of it that we can feel shaky, unsure, paralyzed, things like that. You had an experience recently where your anxiety was spiking in a professional setting. Can you tell us what was happening with that? Yeah, it was just two weekends ago. I was speaking for the first time in a very public forum about my own anxiety and sharing a recent incident where I was very, very anxious. I was on a stage in Boulder, Colorado, with a group of other women who were also like me, learning to craft a TED-style talk. And I was very nervous to share my own anxiety. It was (laughs) anxiety-provoking. I finished the speaking engagement. I was so relieved. I was able to listen to the other women's talks after mine. We were putting everything away. You know, People were getting ready to fly out or go out to dinner, things like that. And the organizer came up to me and said, Susan, we lost half of your talk. And um, (laughs) we lost half your talk. The audio part portion didn't record. 
And I got angry and flustered and anxious. And I said, did you lose anybody else's talk? And he said, no, only yours. I'm like, great, the woman talking about anxiety. That's the only talk you lost. <laughs> and I lost it. I really was like, oh my God, how am I going to re-record this? I'm so nervous. There's no audience anymore for me to interact and riff off of. I don't really know this talk because I had rewritten my talk 12 days before uh, on a, something that we had been working on for two months. And people kept coming up to me saying all kinds of things that didn't help a lot. Mm. Oh, man. I mean, speaking is anxiety producing. And then you were sharing about something vulnerable, which is anxiety producing. I can only imagine what kinds of butterflies were happening in your stomach. So tell us what kinds of things were people saying to you in that moment? Yeah, they were saying things like, well, Susan, you don't need to be nervous. You're great. Or they would <laughs> say, um, you know, you've got this or just think about it differently or you need a different mindset. Stop being so anxious or oh, one that was really snide. Maybe you should use the tools you teach your clients to calm yourself down. Mm. A few people <laughs> said some nice things like, how can I support you? Or sorry, you're going through this. But oh, some of those comments were harsh. Mm. I'd really love to look at those things one by one and why they're not actually helping and what we who are listening who have probably I've said all those kinds of things to people in the past. Sometimes we just don't know what to say. So mm. sometimes you know you learn what to do by looking at what not to do. So I'd love to go through them one by one and hear why it's not helpful and then also what we could say instead that would be supportive. So yeah. let's start off with don't be nervous. Okay. So don't be nervous. The problem with don't be nervous is the person right before you is nervous. <laughs> and if you're telling them not to feel the way that they're feeling, that's invalidating. And it's much more ideal if you can validate the person. So it's better to say something like, I see how nervous you are, and I can understand why you're feeling that way. You don't need to solve the problem right in front of them, like for me, that I had to get back on stage and go re-record this. But it's so much more supportive of another person if you can validate the emotion they're actually feeling and just notice it and say, wow, I can see you're feeling that way. I can feel for you. Mm. Yeah, it is really amazing how powerful that is when we can just feel sort of understood in those moments. Absolutely. I want to cover a couple more of these, what not to say and what to say instead things. But first, I got to take a quick break. Okay, welcome back. All right, Susan, you were sharing about how you had this experience where you were talking, you had just given a talk and you realized that you had to do it again. And it was something that was very anxiety producing and people were saying things to you that were they were trying to be helpful, but they really weren't helping. And one of the things they said was, you've got this. Now, I'm sure we've all said this to people all the time, but we've never really thought about, is this actually a good thing to say? Why wasn't that helpful? Yeah. Despite the sincerity of you've got this and the feeling like, look, I'm being really encouraging of you. The person who's so anxious in that moment doesn't feel like they've got it. And so I didn't know I had it in me to get on that stage and redo my talk. And so saying you've got this, unfortunately, unintentionally is invalidating because the, like put yourself in the person's shoes who's shaky and scared 
they don't think they've got it. And if you tell them you've got it, you kind of come off like you're the expert on the other person. Instead, you might say something like, I trust you've got this, or I have faith in you that you've got this. Just the simple addition of that kind of an I conveys your belief in them more effectively than you've got this. It's like, I believe you've got this. Like, claims that feeling as their own as opposed to telling the person, you should have this. Right. Yep. That makes total sense. So what's the problem with saying something like, oh, just look for the positive. Something good is going to come out of this. Or it's kind of a variation of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Oh my goodness. That one really always (laughs) gets me going. Um, (laughs) Those kinds of platitudes possession you as the expert on the person who's experiencing the anxiety and can make the person who's feeling the anxiety feel more inferior than they already do in the moment. You're directing them what to do or you're directing them what to think. You'll make a much better connection with that person if you try something where instead of you unintentionally coming off superior, you relate on a peer-to-peer level. So that you're an equal, something like, I know this is stressful. And I wish you a really great second take on this, you know, time you have to get up on stage. So I know this is whatever the feeling is, stressful, scary, worrisome. And I wish you whatever is your your wishes for them. That way you're a peer with them, you're acknowledging the feeling, and you're making a positive wish in their behalf. Great. And what about Oh, there's nothing to worry about, or even everything's okay. Yeah, that one is, uh, I've heard so much of that. It's definitely the kinds of messages I heard growing up from some people. (laughs) (laughs) So from the nervous person's perspective, the person who's feeling anxious, they feel like there's plenty to worry about. And they're not thinking from a logical standpoint at that point. The emotion is so, can be so overwhelming. So to them, there is lots to worry about and things don't feel okay. So again, it's that place of unintentionally invalidating their present moment reality. So what you might say is something like, I can see how worried you are. Or you could ask something like, how can I support you? Or what would be helpful for you right now? Mm, yep. It sounds like there's a theme <laughs> to kind of how you can rewrite these some of these statements that aren't that helpful. And it sounds like a lot of times it's taking out any you or anything that references the other person and replacing it with I, like keeping the focus more on yourself than on the other person. Am I discerning that correctly? Yeah, because what you're doing is you're you're separating the fact that you as the person observing the person with the anxiousness have a different perspective than they do. And instead of forcing that perspective on them, like here, see how I see, Mm -hmm. you're acknowledging that they see differently. And you're also holding your own perspective on how you how you're seeing them, but also that you're, you're seeing positivity possible for them, without trying to give them advice or support or move things along for them. You're acknowledging and validating that their feelings are real. Because when someone's very, very anxious, Things can feel so cloudy, so foggy, so unsure. And you give them a footing to be like, yeah, that makes sense to me that you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I I have a solidity again that 
yeah, how I'm feeling isn't crazy. It's realistic that I would feel this way. Right. Is there anything you wish more people understood about anxiety, particularly as it relates to other people's anxiety, whether that's your partner or your child, your friend, your colleague? Yeah, absolutely, Kate. I believe that if we all knew that underneath anxiety is a desire to do well, we'd treat each other a lot better. People get anxious because they care so much, because they're invested in a positive outcome. So when you can validate that their emotion exists and exists for a good reason, it usually helps someone who's feeling anxious to stop being so hard on themselves, which they can do, and to relax and to be able to find their next step. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. I definitely have some anxious folks in my family and, you know, I think everybody wonders if they're doing the right thing, right, in those moments. And I feel like the things that you've shared today are really helpful. So So for folks who'd like to connect with you, where can they find you? I can recommend two good places. Uh, First, my website, drsusanbernstein.com. And Bernstein is spelled B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. drsusanbernstein.com is my website. And another great place where you'd find the Positively Anxious newsletter is on LinkedIn. If you look me up, Dr. Susan Bernstein, I'm based in San Diego. If you're trying to figure out which one is me, there are a few Susan Bernsteins. You find me there and I would welcome you to follow me as well as to get on my Positively Anxious newsletter. I enjoy your newsletter so much. They're really great. You're doing such a great job with them. So I I hope that people who are listening will go sign up. (laughs) I'm anxious to do a good job with it. (laughs) Thanks for being here today, Susan. Thanks so much for having me, Kate. Hey, it's back to me. I'm here with your tiny assignment, which is to take a moment to write down some of the things Susan suggested you say to a person who's in the grips of anxiety, and then to read them out loud. Why? Because it's hard to remember what to say when you're in that moment of really wanting to help someone feel better. Something that someone probably said to you at some point in the past is going to come flying out, even if it wasn't all that helpful, because that's all you really have experience with. Saying these new, more helpful phrases out loud will help them become a more permanent part of your memory, one that you'll be able to access even in the heat of the moment of really wanting to help someone feel better. I hope you'll come back tomorrow when I'm sharing behavioral and physical signs that someone might be struggling. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 